Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles today to Matthew chapter number 6, and we are looking at verses 9 through 14. The last couple of times we have been together, we've been talking about what has erroneously been called the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. For the Lord said, after this manner, therefore pray ye. The ye would be them and not him. Uh, so let's go ahead and read those verses. We'll say a word of prayer and then we'll get into the elements of prayer. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Heavenly Father, we do come before you today, and we ask that you bless our time as we gather around your word. Ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand the things that you have for us. Lord, you know the needs that are represented on both sides of this microphone. Ask, Father, that you would meet them according to your riches and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Last couple times we have been together, the first thing we did is we made sure that we looked at the contextual interpretation. You cannot give an application. Most preaching and teaching today, I'm here to tell you, is purely applicational. And most church members sitting in the pews don't know the difference. Interpretation must be rendered before application can be given. Interpretation, we have to remember who's speaking, who are they speaking to, what are they saying, what did it mean in the cultural context in which it was said, what he said, what did they hear, okay? Now here we remember, we, you remember this is Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah that was coming to legitimately offer the kingdom of, of heaven to Israel. Uh, it was not until well after his ascension that Christ sent Paul to the Gentiles who are not you and me. We are the church. We are not under the law of Moses. This prayer was for the Jews who were under the law of Moses for them to pray, not you and me. Okay. The New Testament, I know in your Bible, you know, you have Old Testament, New Testament. And you ask people, when did the New Testament begin? They'll say Matthew chapter one and verse number one. That is not when the new covenant began. The new covenant began with the death of the testator. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross and he shed his blood, sealed his, his fate. That is when the new covenant began. So the New Testament did not begin or the new covenant did not begin until the death of Jesus Christ. So everything prior to that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and a lot of Acts <laughs> has to do with, um, with the Jew, with the house of Israel. And I do not for one second embrace what is called replacement theology. I do not believe for a moment that the church has replaced Israel. You're going to have to allegorize a whole lot of scripture in order to land on that. The, there are promises that are to Israel that have absolutely nothing to do with the church. And there's promises to the church that have absolutely nothing to do with the house of Israel. Right now, 
The Lord is focused on the church. You and I, we are reading from the Pauline epistles. You and I are after the death of the testator. We are in the age of grace and the, in the times of the Gentiles. And that will end with the rapture of the church. I believe that to be in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. And then God will then take his eyes off of the church and he will place them back upon the house of Israel, fulfilling Daniel's 70th week for seven years. And then will come the millennial reign or the kingdom that Jesus offered the first time that he came, but it was rejected. So when we get to parts in this prayer where it says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. That to the Jew means something different than it does to the Gentile. You and I aren't necessarily waiting for the kingdom. We're waiting for the rapture. And when the rapture happens, then will happen the tribulation. Then the kingdom will come. It's all right for us today. I think to pray that we want that, but we do need to understand that it has a different meaning to the church than it does to the Jew who were under the law of Moses. Okay. And I believe that there's, there's just a different perspective there that we need to keep in mind. Okay. Now, the last time we were together, we talked about the elements of prayer. Prayer is defined as having fellowship with God. This is a takeaway. This is application for you and me. Prayer is not simply talking to God, but rather talking with God. And we see some elements that are 10 elements here that are mentioned in the model prayer. First thing we saw was a personal relationship with God because it starts out with our father. And then the second thing we see is faith. Why? Because it says in heaven. And then we see an element of worship. Hallowed be thy name. That's worship. And then last time we were together, there's an expect, there's a element of expectation because it says thy kingdom come. Now, this kingdom is that blessed millennial kingdom spoken of so much in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter two. Uh, Isaiah talks about this. This is the kingdom that Jesus came to legitimately offered and was rejected. And the first words out of John the Baptist's mouth was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. First word out of Jesus's mouth, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When the apostles were sent out, they preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now, you and I, I mean, we're not necessarily when we pray thy kingdom come. Yes, we know it's, you know, when we, the, or at least the application. I don't think we need to repeat this thing. I mean, one of the things he said is use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. And yet we turn around and we repeat this prayer which is exactly the opposite of what he told us to do. So we're not necessarily as the church looking for the kingdom, but we're looking for the rapture, the tribulation, and then the kingdom. And then the fifth element, and this is new territory today, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would later give the finest example of this element in the garden of Gethsemane. You remember Matthew chapter 26 and verse 29 or 39. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Did you get that? Jesus is saying, Lord, I don't want to drink of this cup, but your will be done. And of course, we know that as soon as Jesus stood up, 
Judas walked up to him and gave him the kiss of betrayal. He was he was taken to Jerusalem. He was he was falsely accused, falsely tried, and he was crucified to an old rugged cross. I believe that as Christians, when we pray our prayers, there is nothing in the world wrong with saying, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I want God's will be done. I can't tell you how many stupid prayers that I've prayed in my life. I've asked for things that if God would have given them to me, they would have destroyed me. Just because you ask for it, just because I ask for it, does not necessarily mean that it is the will of God for our lives. And God, I believe, always answers our prayers. Yes, no, and wait. And sometimes no is the best answer. Waiting hurts. I'd rather a no than a wait. But God doesn't give us everything that we ask for. The devil might. But the Lord doesn't give us everything that we ask for. And I think there's nothing wrong with the world in the world with saying, Lord, nevertheless, not as I will. Lord, you know what I want in this situation, but I want what you want because you know what's best for me. We should always seek the Lord's will to be done and not our own. Prayer is surrender. It is surrendering to the will of God and cooperation with that will. If I throw a boat hook from the boat and catch hold of the shore and I pull, Do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not not pulling God to my will, but pulling my will to God's will. God's already decided what he's going to do to do. Uh, there's a misunderstanding when it comes to fasting. Fasting is not conjoling or tr- twisting the arm of God to do something for you that he otherwise was not going to do. That is not the purpose of fasting. Fasting is to align your will with what God has already decided that he is going to do. So the fifth element of prayer is submission. The sixth element of prayer is petition. Petition, because it says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, in 1 John 5, 15, and we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Notice that this is the first place in the Lord's prayer where personal needs are actually mentioned. Unfortunately, I believe most of us are taught to go to God like we're going to Santa Claus or we're going to a genie in, in, in a bottle. Now, there is nothing wrong with praying that God will meet our personal needs as long as they are in his will. We want what God wants, not what we want. Because again, God knows. I remember one time I had a cat and well, I actually I had a hamster and uh, I had a cat as well. And I remember watching the, the hamster was kept out in the laundry room and it had this little, you know, little glass cage and, you know, it had its little wood shavings down there and it had this little wheel where the hamster would run on, you know, that little futile activity that they do, you know, to, to uh, just exercise. And uh, I remember one day I walked out there and I saw my hamster. He had lodged, the wheel had lodged and he had climbed up on top of the wheel. So the wheel wasn't spinning. Uh, it had gotten, it had gotten, gotten jammed. And um, he was on top of that wheel and he was trying to climb up out of the cage. And he was about to make it. And that's when a cat, my cat, her name was Polly Wackett. I think it was a male (laughs) caught my eye. He was in the corner licking his lips. You know, that little hamster wanted out of that cage so badly. 
he was probably asking God to deliver him from that cage. And yet that cat was sitting in the corner licking his lips. What if God would have answered that hamster's prayer? Of course, I'm I'm stretching this. Hamsters don't pray. But I'm talking about you and me. God knows what's best. God knows what's on the outside of the cage. God knows what's around the next corner. God knows what tomorrow day tomorrow holds for us. We need to surrender to his will. Many of us don't do that. I remember years ago hearing a story while crossing the Atlantic on the ocean liner, F.B. Meyer was asked to address the first class passengers. At the captain's request, he spoke on answered prayer. An agnostic who was present at the service was asked by his friends, what did you think of Dr. Meyer's sermon? He said, I didn't believe a word of it. That afternoon, Meyer went to speak to the steerage passengers. Those are the ones down below deck, the poor ones. Many of the listeners at the morning address went along, including the agnostic who claimed he was just wanting to hear what the babbler had to say. Before starting the service, the agnostic put two oranges in his pocket before he headed out and on his way past an elderly woman sitting on the deck on her on their deck chair fast asleep her hands were open in the spirit of fun the agnostic put the two oranges in her outstretched palms after the meeting he saw the old lady happily eating one of the pieces of fruit you seem to be enjoying that orange he remarked with with a smile yes sir she replied my father in heaven is very good to me your father surely your father can't still be alive Praise God, she replied. He is very much alive. What do you mean, pressed the agnostic? She explained. I'll tell you, sir. I have been seasick for days. I was asking God somehow to send me an orange. I suppose I fell asleep while I was praying. And when I woke up, I found that he had not only sent me one, but he sent me two. <laughs> and the story goes that the agnostic accepted Christ in the next service. So again, another element of prayer is petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And tomorrow we'll talk about confession and compassion and maybe even get into dependence. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Always remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.